Welcome to the SaaS Ad Lab podcast where we bring to you a source of SaaS founders, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. My name is Luis. I'm the owner and founder of Phantom Agency, a digital marketing agency specialized in scaling SaaS companies. And today I have the pleasure of interviewing Sunil. He is the founder over at Outclip. First of all, thank you so much for being on here today. It's a pleasure having you. And to kick things off, why don't you just tell me and, and tell us really, you know, a little bit about your background and how you kind of went to where you're at today with Outclip. Awesome. All right, Luis. Uh, thank you for having me on your program. Uh, I'm Sunil Kalgi, uh, the founder of uh, Outclip, which is a SaaS product that's helping people make uh, screen recording videos for YouTube. Hmm. Uh, so a little about my background. Uh, so uh, I grew up in India um, and I have a, I've been programming since the age of 11. Uh, started uh-huh. with the logo programming language uh-huh. uh, where you write programs to like move a cursor around and draw things. Um, and so my introduction to programming is really in a very front and friendly way. And uh, sometimes like the way you introduce to things like has a huge bearing on what you do later in life. So cool. I've, I've been a programmer for the uh, most of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have an, un, I did an undergrad in electrical engineering. Um, and uh, soon after college, I, I got a job in uh, a company that made mobile phones and they needed to write apps. This is the pre iPhone days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was my first job writing mobile apps in this really low level uh, kind of operating system level uh, mm-hmm. uh, software. Um, and that got me hooked to low level software is kind of working at the hardware software interface. Um, so I, I, that journey kind of lasted almost 10 years. Um, and it, it brought me to the US where I did a master's in uh, computer engineering at, at UT Austin. Very nice. uh, and after UT Austin, I, I landed a job in Austin as well, uh, working on device drivers, like really low level software. Mm-hmm. So accidentally, like as a software engineer, you usually do not get exposed much to customers, but uh, I had these opportunities to interact directly with users of uh, my, my company's products. And I was really delighted by like in helping them troubleshoot issues. So I learned something about myself, which is like, I really like to directly work with users. Right, to help people kind of understand things too. I understand things, support them in mm-hmm. issues and just help them be successful in using those uh, products. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so I like building products, software products, and I like uh, directly interacting with users. Uh, and this is also the time when uh, there was a, the mobile uh, startups like starting to boom, like Instagram got bought out, uh, mm. WhatsApp got bought out. So this is like uh, really started to uh, get me thinking uh, mm-hmm. because these were uh, such small teams building world changing products. Totally. Uh, and so I was like, okay, I like uh, building software products. I like uh, kind of working directly with users. And, it's, and I always thought startups required a lot of upfront investment. You need a big team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these startups are disproving that uh, conception. Uh, so uh, so uh, basically, uh, I thought, okay, you know what? I can do startups. You know, I, I have the, the skills to do it. And that's how I landed, uh, started working on startup projects. So mm-hmm. I quit my job, started working on startup projects. So before, yeah. sorry to interrupt you here, before you had like a, a set startup or anything like that, like, you decided, you know, I'm just going to stop working. No, really, you know, as far as everyone that's listening right now and myself know, no other source of revenue or anything like that. Just stop and start working on startups. Yeah. I had saved up uh, through working in my previous job. And uh, I I mean, I I was a little naive to jump in. Uh, I had an idea. Okay. And uh, the product I wanted to build, but I didn't really think through uh, like, how am I going to make money off this? Uh, I thought things will just click eventually and automatically. And how, how old were you when you did this? Uh, I was uh, 31 Okay. when I started doing that. This is about uh, four years ago. Cool. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> so, 
uh, yeah, I, uh, I basically started working on startup projects. I didn't like form a company right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I started get, really getting interested in the user uh, generated video content space. Uh, uh, so I think that's one of the big emerging trends of today, like people making videos to express themselves. Totally. Uh, that's why Instagram is such a huge hit. Uh, TikTok's now the biggest sensation. Yeah. Uh, and people are basically making videos, right? Um, and so I wanted to uh, play a role in that space. Uh, so what I did was uh, I created an Android app, which uh, let people make uh, videos of themselves they could, that they could share with their work colleagues. So it was very uh, company focused. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started, uh, how I landed on Outclip was basically a series of discoveries after I made that app. Mm-hmm. The first set of discoveries was basically uh, people telling me that they wouldn't record themselves and share with their colleagues because uh, a lot of them were working from home and they were in their pajamas. They don't want to be seen on camera. Right. Uh, so it looks like the camera was kind of a no-go. Uh, as uh, ca- Camera on its own was a no-go when it came to work uh, uh-huh. video. Uh, secondly, people started saying they wanted to make, uh, they do a lot of screen sharing, so they don't do screen recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they work mostly on a computer. They don't use their phone as much for work. So I kind of pivoted from an Android app to... Uh, uh, basically a, a desktop focused app. Uh, so that's how I landed on doing, started doing screen recording uh, apps. Mm. And further along, another set of discoveries from how people used it. Uh, a lot of people were gravitating to using Outclip and the feedback, a lot of them left from me is like, I want to post videos to YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, so be, listening to user feedback, that's uh, the current, that's how Outclip is currently taking shape, which is like making screen recordings for YouTube. Mm. Uh, and today we have users who are, have from anywhere from a couple 10,000 users to people who are just starting the YouTube channel and the first video is one made through Outclip. That's super cool. Does that mean since, since, you know, now people are using it as a, obviously to create content kind of thing, does that mean that the audience that you had in mind kind of disappeared because it, it, it started initially right as a, almost like a, now, I wouldn't say B2B, right. but an inside of a business to like share how you were doing things and stuff like that. But now these videos are going into YouTube is it still the same use case where people are kind of showing people how to do other things except on a more B2C approach almost? Right. So the uh, people are largely doing a lot of the same things that they were doing even uh, when I started out. Um, I just had a different idea of what people would use it for, like Mm -hmm. sharing videos internally. But right right now, people do share like private videos on YouTube. there are companies that post meetings on YouTube. So people are opening up to like putting, uh, even, even if it's like, even if it's public or unlisted videos and stuff like that, but they're, they're still using, you know, YouTube as the host for it. Absolutely. Yeah. So people are, uh, opening up to the idea of YouTube as a general distribution channel, right? Even oh. for internal purposes, as well as, uh, like if they have a meeting where they're not discussing customers and they want to put the video on YouTube. So mm-hmm. it could be used as marketing. Total. Uh, so, uh, I would say, I mean, I've learned a lot of new news cases based on how people have used it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, some things have changed because uh, I've made it more YouTube focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, less of the uh, kind of IP uh, kind of uh, oriented content does not get posted on YouTube, of course. Right. Uh, so, but, uh, but I hope to like, as the platform grows, maybe uh, get back to a kind of serving a, a corporate market. Uh, okay. But right now it's just focused on like, so is that, is that your goal essentially? Like, it seems like for some reason you, you wanted this to be more of a business, you know, centric kind of solution. Is there a reason behind that? Uh, so I think it was, uh, they say that it was mostly driven by uh, my thinking around consumer startups. So B2C 
this day is like getting struck by lightning, right? Getting a good idea, which a lot of people, uh, there's problems with B2C. Well, one is not too many people want to pay for it. Right. And second, you need a lot of users. They're mostly ad-generated, uh, ad-based business models. Mm. Uh, so that's why I kind of wanted to focus more on business where I could deliver value and just like charge people a premium for using some totally. uh, cool features. Uh, just my personal preference and uh, how I ought to run things. Mm-hmm. But now I, I would say I'm more to a closer to a B2BC, right? Uh, a business to a business consumer. Yeah. Uh, where there are consumers, there's also people, small business owners and companies that are using it for uh, their purposes. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So right now, like how are people, like, I guess, how, how long has the company been live for? Uh, so uh, for the last uh, 18 months. Okay. And how are people currently finding it? Because you mentioned, I mean, it, it doesn't necessarily matter how many users, you know, how many subscribers the users of the product have, if it, if that's not necessarily working as a, as a user acquisition kind of, you know, platform, is that something that you're leveraging? Like if you have some big, you know, YouTubers that are using the platform and, and you have them in the corner that says Outclip or something like that, especially if they're using the free version, right. is that kind of how people are finding about the product or, or what are the user acquisition tactics that are being implemented? Right. So, uh, uh, what you mentioned is exactly like one of the things uh, we, uh, for the, the free users, uh, there's an outclip uh, watermark that's applied to the video. Uh, so people know where it came from. Um, the YouTube description says made it outclip. So that's bringing, driving some of the traffic for mm-hmm. uh, new user signups. Um, one of the channels. The other is uh, word of mouth. So we kind of incentivize, you send out emails to users saying, if you uh, kind of let people know and they join and make videos, then you get, Mm-hmm. Uh, so many amounts of like premium credits for making longer videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we're trying to get word of mouth going through incentive schemes. Right. Um, uh, also being discovered in the, the on the Chrome store. So uh, right now, Outclip is uh, primarily a Chrome extension. Gotcha. Uh, and being found in the Chrome store is a, is, is important. So mm-hmm. uh, trying to kind of make the description um, uh, and everything kind of give people like a very quick snapshot of what this uh, extension is about and making that. Mm-hmm. Uh, another channel for acquisition. What about, um, you know, obviously like YouTube is huge, right? And, and there's millions and billions of people using that. And, and it, do you at all think that it could be limiting you if you're using it mainly on YouTube where technically you could be doing the exact same thing on Vimeo or any other, you know, big uh, video sharing platform? Right. I think, <clears throat> I mean, YouTube is clearly the dominant platform. Right. Uh, and most users, uh, this is kind of based on user feedback, uh, where a lot of people uh, said there were people in the early days who were uninstalling the Chrome extension because uh, there was uh, no way to put it directly on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I haven't got, so it's based on user feedback. If somebody asks for mm-hmm. Vimeo, uh, I'm certainly happy to provide it and build it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but right now it's just purely based on what people are using it for. Yeah. And that would be my guess too, right? Like everyone uses YouTube to be completely honest. I don't even know like why you would go to Vimeo. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing like the value proposition there. Right. But I I just don't know, like what are the reasons because people would prefer, I guess, Vimeo over the other, but I, I I don't know. I guess I have to look into that. (laughs) Right. I I think, uh, yeah, like it's, uh, they actually serve different needs. I feel like YouTube is, uh, where people go to consume, watch videos, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, build up their audience. Like being having a YouTube channel is like how you kind of become an influencer in the YouTube space. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Vimeo is uh, what I've seen is like people create, uh, uh, especially uh, people who work 
uh, on videos. Uh, they they use that as their portfolio, a way for showcasing their portfolio, um, and for embedding uh, videos on your website. Mm -hmm. uh, Vimeo works better because Vimeo doesn't like uh, if you're using uh, you're creating a marketing video and putting on YouTube and you embed that in your website. Yeah. Uh, YouTube will automatically after the video ends it will recommend off. maybe a competitor products. Hmm. Uh, so I think Vimeo is uh, kind of more suitable for those kinds of use cases. So I think their own niches uh, which uh, they're useful and uh, yeah what i'm seeing kind of the data i have is basically yeah most people are trying to build uh, can become influencers on youtube or mm -hmm. uh, share both whatever audience they have on youtube and that's that's what we are serving what do you think because this is this right now like this sounds similar to at least the beginning of it right like the way you position it at first it sounds like it's a very close competitor slash alternative to loom and i'm sure you're familiar with it yes what would kind of be like the differentiation? Because I feel like Loom is is right now doing exactly what you kind of mentioned in the beginning, right? Where it's more of a use, uh, the use case is a lot more business to business kind of thing, like within, you know, businesses and stuff, like whether you're doing training or you were doing, you know, uh, showing people how to do stuff and stuff like that. What, like, what are your thoughts on that overall? Absolutely. Like, there's no really specific question on, on that, but like, what do you think about Loom, I guess, is, is the question. Yeah, so uh, it's been a while since I took a look at Loom, but I'm totally familiar. I keep hearing about people who are using it. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, what I gather is uh, competitive products, uh, the, uh, like the, the problems that Outflip are solving are kind of unique. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really kind of super uh, targeted at people who want to make screen recordings and put them on YouTube. And there's a huge bunch of users that want to do that. Right. Um, so a lot of the other apps are missing key features where if you want to do, if that's your workflow, taking a screen recording, putting it on YouTube, uh, they only do a part of the workflow. It's kind mm -hmm. of fragmented where you make a video using Loom and then you need to download it. And then, then upload, upload it again. Upload it, uh, totally. again. So it, the whole workflow might take you about 15 minutes uh, mm -hmm. using two, three different steps. Uh, whereas with Outclip, it's, it's two, two to three different clicks mm -hmm. and uh, it takes you a minute or two. Because uh, YouTube Outclip has a YouTube integration, um, so the moment you record a video, it's automatically hosted. So you have the option of like directly sharing the link with people, or mm -hmm. there is a YouTube button where you can hook up your YouTube account and then uh, yeah. click it, and your videos on YouTube. Yeah, so it sounds like really the the fact that you kind of niche down on on YouTube is you know the the big, the biggest differentiator here in the use case. Um, where I can see it happening and with a lot of different things, whether you're recording, you know, a presentation or something like that, put it on YouTube or even gamers that maybe want to record it. I'm not sure. Like, you know. Yeah. So gameplay is uh, a big use case. Uh, there are, uh, I mean, just to give you a quick idea of the, the big top use cases, hmm. small business owners use it for um, kind of giving instructions and they often, often get their apps developed uh, offshore. Mm -hmm. uh, they're using it to give instructions or, uh, to those uh, kind of programmers who are living abroad uh, in a very visual way. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also used by uh, freelancers and remote workers to uh, kind of show, demo their work mm -hmm. and to give feedback. Um, and also used for gameplay where people want to post uh, yeah. and, and used by other YouTubers too. Like there's uh, a, a user who, who delivers these uh, news updates uh, to like cryptocurrency audience. Oh, and cool. YouTube to like just basically do screen recording and share mm -hmm. it back. Yeah, it, it sounds like it's super quick and easy to just, you know, hop on, do whatever you need to do, record it, and upload it into YouTube within really like a couple of minutes in the time that you actually do that thing, which is pretty cool. 
Now I know, you know, the company is relatively young, but aside from, you know, the watermark and really emailing people, like what are other ways which you're currently e either exploring, you know, like trying to get into, to start generating more users or that you're currently doing? Right. So trying to get, um, uh, do more content marketing, hmm. um, through kind of interviews, blogs, um, uh, uh, content marketing through our blog, as well as uh, trying to build up the YouTube channel, uh, trying to get the word out through that. Uh, and also uh, trying to connect with our, uh, some of the plans I have are connecting with uh, the user base in a, uh, in a more uh, substantial way. Uh, right now, people can chat with me through uh, kind of a chat bot on the website, mm -hmm. but uh, I'm thinking of like creating a Discord server uh, so yeah. people can just like, kind of have a community going. So my cool. goal is to create that community. Uh, for Outclip, uh, also create forums where people can like share tips and tricks mm -hmm. um, and uh, help other users as well. Uh, right now, I'm the one who's doing a lot of the support. Right. So uh, I think just making uh, the existing users get a lot of value out of Outclip, uh, mm -hmm. that's one of the big things that's, uh, that I have plans for. And for getting new users uh, and new user acquisition, it's going to be through, uh, I feel the existing users are the ones who hopefully spread the word. Uh, totally. Uh, and hey, this is a cool product. I've used it and you get good support um, mm -hmm. using this product. So you should try it out. Yeah, definitely. When when you have a good product and you have a, you know, loyal, like you have a good product and then the customers turn into loyal customers, especially right. early on because there's those, there's those uh, early adopters, you know, and, and they have that kind of like visionary where they feel good whenever they're able to put a new tool in front of you. Um, and I've seen that firsthand many, many times. So I think that's definitely one of the most valuable things to kind of leverage and if you can incentivize that too at the beginning, then it turns into a, a really a monster of just like user acquisition, um, which is pretty cool. What is the most challenging thing so far in these in these eighteen months that you've kind of you know bumped heads with? So I would say the uh, a challenge, a constant challenge for me is uh, the balance between like what to give away for free and what to charge for, mm -hmm. and it's constantly shifting. Um, uh, so, like uh, right now the user is getting a lot of value out of Outclip mm -hmm. uh, and I want to see, uh, and it's important for a startup to thrive to be able to capture some of that value that it's creating. Right. Um, so kind of experimenting with different ways of uh, getting people to upgrade. Um, and uh, so that's kind of uh, the big challenge I feel is uh, mm -hmm. the dilemma between uh, ultimately I want to create a win-win situation where users win totally. using Outclip and uh, I, I too benefit. Mm -hmm. uh, from that and uh, yeah so constantly playing with it and changing things up like very frequently to see how people like uh, get them to out of, out of every and out of everything that you've done so far in that regard to like get people to pay or, or to you know provide more value and, and then seeing like what that brings back as far as revenue goes what's been like the most apparent you know success within that little realm um so the things that have cost people to upgrade, uh, I would say are, uh, so in our, on our premium videos, there is no watermark. Uh, so people are using it for professional totally. uh, videos. Like they definitely want to upgrade for that reason. Mm -hmm. Also uh, the, the free uh, tier has a limit on uh, the length of the video. You can only make a 10 minute video. Some people need to make longer videos for that. They need to upgrade. So those mm -hmm. are the two main things. And uh, the, uh, uh, the third thing I would say is, uh, the premium videos also have uh, access. You get access to this uh, suite of uh, quick editing, uh, video editing videos. Like you, can, you can trim videos, you can crop them, 
you can cre- convert uh, a segment of a video into a gif so you can promote your video um, so people cool. upgrade for that reason as well that sounds really really cool uh have you ever thought of maybe allowing people to almost white label it where they they can put their own logo and stuff like that for maybe if it was like a professional kind of thing uh, yeah i mean i would definitely uh, entertain that if somebody uh, had an ask for that but so far i have not uh, uh, received a request for that mm-hmm. uh, i think it's probably uh, used- well, youtube youtube typically puts your brand on there anyway on the video so i guess it, it wouldn't necessarily be necessary that's right for youtube it does not because they pop up your logo if you set it up that way um, but if you're downloading the video and sharing it elsewhere or you're sharing the link directly mm-hmm. um, yeah white labeling is an option that I, I will explore in the future yeah if you could have one thing like whatever it is right now whether it's you know a hundred thousand users maybe you're already there uh, or if you could have you know somebody come in and invest in the company what would that thing be I, I would I would say it's basically a deep engagement of the product mm-hmm. uh, uh, of course I would love to have uh, a lot of users but uh, like they say right the you need to have happy users so that's, only that's the only, thing, the only thing yeah that's the only thing i care about is how deeply are people engaging with the product because that's a solid core on which i can build on mm-hmm. uh, and and that's what my focus has been like uh, throughout which is uh, how can i get deep engagement make this product work for people uh, support them well uh, kind of building on the loyal base so that's that's my number one focus uh, everything else is secondary uh, Uh, they they say that every dollar of user money is uh, is worth like 10 of investor money i i uh-huh. think that uh, and uh, yeah so I, i think user growth is probably a byproduct of uh, totally. having a, a loyal user base totally to to kind of like shift gears here a little bit uh into a more of a personal side of you know owning and building a company like what's been the most challenging thing is a, a you know on a personal level is it making sure that you kind of you know create that work life balance or like keeping the right relationships in the right places like making sure that you know whatever is happening outside of work isn't affecting you inside of work especially early on because typically and I don't know if you if you have you know how many people are on the team or anything like that but people tend to be more on the lonely side you know like they kind of isolate themselves to like get this off the ground and stuff like that so like what's the hardest thing that you've experienced so far as you've built the company right so Uh, I think it's uh, just facing getting a lot of no's from people. Uh, it can be uh, kind of discouraging when mm-hmm. uh, no's and crickets, right? You yeah. email people, I, I want uh, your feedback. And most often you don't hear back. And yeah. Sometimes you do hear back and it's a no, I don't have time for this. Uh-huh. Um, so, I, and it's heavily skewed in that uh, ratio, right? Where you get a lot of no's and a lot of mm-hmm. no replies. Um, kind of dealing with that because that's a, uh, getting rejection is not easy for anyone. So, yeah. How do you deal with it? I mean, do you kind of just like you're focused and you know where you're going and like what you're after? Um, you know, like what is like not necessarily the coping mechanism, but like what do you do with that rejection that you do get sometimes? Yeah, I mean, uh, startups are uh, hugely to do with your psychology and kind of tricking yourself into thinking that it's all going to work out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the way I do it is I just look back at some of the the wins I've had in the past. Nice. Uh, like of the hundred emails, like I got a hit with one person, and that turned out to be really good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and I've got like proof of those. Like I've got blogs written about those encounters and uh, videos. Mm-hmm. So uh, I try to just focus on those, the positives, really. Uh, which, uh, frankly, uh, it's kind of a, uh, a fat-tailed. Uh, uh, I don't know if you know that expression, but uh, you, we tend to think that. Uh, 
if you talk to 100 people and you get only one like probably the probability wise it looks really bad you're getting one out of 100 yeah. hits but yeah. sometimes that one person can be a, a game changer totally uh, can totally open you up expose you to a new audience uh, and that's been like uh, yeah. like again and again that's been my experience you know the, the one person that responds the one person that replies uh, can open a whole new world of uh, yeah. opportunity for you so this constant belief in that that's awesome and and you reminded me of a book there for a second when you said that you know, when you kind of go back and, and think about the emails that you sent out and you actually got a response. I don't know if you've ever read the book by David Goggins. Um, I think oh, it's Can't Break Me, but he talks about, he's like an, uh, an ultra runner, just like super, you know, athlete kind of thing. And, and he talks a lot about, you know, having this cookie jar, which it's like everything that he's accomplished so far. And he goes back to that and, and grabs out a cookie uh, to kind of like remind himself, you know, that he can do and, and overcome those types of things, which is pretty I thought that was really cool. If you're, if you're into books and stuff like that, like definitely yeah, check I, that I out. I love reading books. And I think that's one of the ways to sustain myself, right? Like yeah. uh, keeping a positive mindset. I, I try to read uh, mm -hmm. like some, uh, like I read recently, uh, Ryan Holiday's growth marketing mm -hmm. that really set my mind on fire. You know, that yeah. the, the possibilities of marketing your company totally. are so varied. And uh, there's a lot that, uh, that I've not, I've not even scratched the surface of. Yeah. Oh, there's some, yeah, there's so many things. That's awesome. And to kind of like wrap things up here, a couple more questions. If you could go back to say day one, knowing everything that you've learned so far, which is probably a lot like most people do whenever they start a business, what would you have done differently earlier on? So uh, I would say the, the things that I would have changed back uh, early on has uh, been a little more aggressive at experimenting, you know, um, I remember spinning my wheels a lot, just thinking, oh, should I do this or not? Mm. Uh, and often we, uh, I think a lot of people, are, and including myself, do is kind of talk ourselves out of doing things, totally. uh, thinking, assuming it's going to fail and imagining it's going to fail. But yeah. uh, just be more aggressive and experimenting uh, mm -hmm. different uh, variants of the product, adding new features. Don't be afraid to try that. Because all the, like the YouTube uh, kind of niche, the screen recording, everything has been an accident, right? It's, mm -hmm. I tried doing something else and then I, yeah. then people, people will object to uh, something if they don't like it and right. getting objections that have kind of come to my the, the mm -hmm. current place. Totally. So uh, I would say just uh, be, don't, don't be afraid to experiment, uh, Definitely. try new things out and you learn and even in the nose, uh, not fail just what fast and fail forward kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Great advice. And last question here. Do you have any questions for me? Um, so, uh, just curious about, so I understand you're a digital marketing company, mm -hmm. um, uh, just curious about, uh, kind of what experience, like, what are some of the, uh, uh the new things that, that I could try, uh, from your experience? Yeah. I think one of the things that you mentioned and, and typically like we focus almost purely on paid advertising, right? So anything that has to do with like Google, Facebook, Instagram, whatever sort of ads that you actually pay for. Uh, but one thing that's worked really well, I think is the next big thing. Uh, and, and really it's, it's already there, but I feel like Facebook will be pushing more of that. And you can see it in their advertisements. If you ever get them, they're pushing the groups a lot. Right. And earlier you mentioned creating like a discord chat or some sort of community where people can help you out. You absolutely should. It's super, super valuable. Not because, you know, you have everyone in one place, but the really cool thing about it is that after a certain point, right, you hit that tipping point where you don't even have to be in the group saying anything. And it's almost self-sustaining where people within the group will actually teach other people how to do things. And it almost takes care of a support set of things where 
you know, one person has a question and somebody's already been through that or, or is, is already way past that, so they can help that person out. And you're really building a tribe, you know, of people that are loyal to the product that understand it and that can help you, for one, get the word out and for two, take care of a lot of the little support tasks that will be posted on there constantly. Um, and obviously you can also see like how people are interacting with the product, what they're using, get a lot of feedback from that. And eventually you can actually leverage that. Like this, this is where I think Facebook is going is you ha you don't have the ability to yet to target groups or anything like that, but you, I, I very, very strongly believe you will be able to create audiences from the Facebook group, which allow you then to leverage, you know, hundreds of thousands of data points that you can create lookalike audiences from and just distribute your content to people that are very, very similar to the ones that have already been using the product for a really long time. Interesting. So you can, what you're saying is you can potentially uh, target groups within Facebook who self-selected because of interest in some, something. Yeah, in a, in a way, exactly. So like everyone in there is going to obviously be a YouTube user, right? And if you go into YouTube specifically, I mean, you could obviously target YouTube you know, people that are interested in YouTube, but all the people in that group have a different set of characteristics that make them the perfect fit for your product. And then you're also leveraging all that data to, to then pretty much just copy and paste into a new set of people that you can reach out to with your product, get them on the free trial. And then obviously eventually like with all the different tests that you're going, you know exactly what you're going to have to do to get them from free to sign up uh, and so on. Got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, definitely something I'm going to try. Yeah, so out. the community is super, super yeah. important. I think you should definitely, uh, should definitely do that. Yeah. Definitely so just to wrap things up, thank you Sunil so much for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure having you. Uh, if you're listening or watching to the podcast or anything, make sure to subscribe, give it a review, give it a thumbs up, whatever it is you can do on the platform that you're listening on or watching on. And uh, thank you all so much and see you soon. Bye-bye.